Chapter Thirty of A Man of Honor by George Carey Eggleston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirty The Younger Mr. Barksdale Asks to Be Put Upon His Oath. It was nearly noon when the train which brought Billy Barksdale back from Philadelphia stopped at the courthouse and that young gentleman went from the station immediately to the courtroom, where the circuit court, as he knew, was in session. "'Has the grand jury been impaneled yet?' he asked the Commonwealth's attorney. "'Yes, it has just gone out, but as usual there is nothing for it to do, so it will report no bills in an hour or so, I reckon.' "'Have me sworn and sent before it, then.' said Billy. I think I can put it in the way of finding something to do. The official was astonished, but he lost no time in complying with the rather singular request. Billy went before the grand jury and remained there for a considerable time. This was a very unusual occurrence in every way, and it quickly produced a buzz of excitement in and about the building. There was rarely ever anything for grand juries to do in this quiet county, and when there was anything, it usually hinged upon some publicly known and talked-of matter. Everybody knew in advance what it was about, and the probable result was easy to predict. Now, however, all was mystery. A prominent young lawyer had been sworn and sent before the grand jury at his own request and the length of time during which he was detained there effectually dispelled the belief which at first obtained that he merely wanted to secure the presentment of some negligent road overseer. Even the Commonwealth's attorney could not manage to look wise enough, as he sat there stroking his beard, to deceive anybody into the belief that he knew what was going on. The minutes were very long ones. The excitement soon extended beyond the courthouse, and everybody in the village was on tiptoe with suppressed curiosity. The courtroom was full to overflowing when Billy came quietly out of the grand jury's apartment and took his seat in the bar as if nothing out of the ordinary course of affairs had happened. It did not tend to allay the excitement, certainly, when the deputy sheriff on duty at the door of the jury-room beckoned to the commonwealth's attorney and that gentleman went upstairs three steps at a time disappearing within the chamber devoted to the secret inquest and remaining there when half an hour later major edwin pagebrook was called sworn and sent up as a witness wild rumors of a secret crime among the better classes began to circulate freely in the crowd starting from nowhere and gradually taking definite shape as they spread from one to another of the eager villagers the excitement was now absolutely painful in its intensity and even the judge himself began walking restlessly back and forth in the space set apart for the bench when Major Pagebrook came out of the room with a downcast face, he went immediately home, and Rosenwater, a merchant in the village, was called. When he came out, 
distinct efforts were made to worm the secret from him he was mindful of his oath however and refused to say anything finally the members of the grand jury marched slowly downstairs and took their stand in front of the clerk's desk pull the grand jury said the judge when that ceremony was over the question which everybody in the building had been mentally asking for hours was formulated by the court gentlemen of the grand jury have you any presentments to make we have your honor answered the foreman read the report of the grand jury mr clerk the official rose and after adjusting his spectacles very deliberately read aloud we the grand jury on our oaths present dr charles harrison and james madison raves for forgery and for a conspiracy to defraud edwin pagebrook on or about the tenth day of november in this present year within the jurisdiction of this honorable court the crowd was fairly stunned nobody knew or could guess what it meant the commonwealth's attorney was the first to speak as the legal representative of the commonwealth i move the court to issue a warrant for the arrest of charles harrison and james madison raves and i ask that the grand jury be instructed to return to their room and to put their indictments in proper form the two men thus accused of crime being present in court were taken in charge by the sheriff if the commonwealth's attorney has no further motions to make in this case said the judge the court will take a recess in order to give time for the preparation of indictments in due form may it please the court said the official addressed i have only to ask that your honor will instruct the sheriff to separate the two prisoners during the recess i do not know that this is necessary but it may tend to further the interests of justice the court sees no reason to refuse the request said the judge mr sheriff you will see that your two prisoners are not allowed to confer together in any way until after the reassembling of the court at four o'clock. End of chapter 30